The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. God's word for today is from Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is God's word. Good morning. Took the risk of speaking into the mic when I was still in front of the speakers. I'm glad they didn't blow up or anything like that, make anything weird. Hey, I'm really glad to be back with you guys so soon. I got to be here a few weeks ago uh, when Josh was out of town, and now I'm here this week when Josh is sick, and I'm beginning to feel like he's avoiding me. My name is Matt Tolander. I'm the leadership development pastor at Midtown Church and uh, called Axe Leander Home for a couple years. And so I always love being able to come back and share with you guys. And um, since I got the call on Thursday afternoon to come and talk, I had no time to prepare anything. So they were like, just grab a talk like out of the filing cabinet and throw it down. So uh, I've hardly even looked at these notes. So this could go very poorly. Uh, so what I want you to do is just take your expectations. Let's just go ahead and lower them. Just, just a little bit this morning. Um, I'm messing around. But I wanted to, to share uh, this morning one of the most important, we'll call it a faith lesson, one of the most important faith lessons that I've ever learned. And uh, I've learned this lesson in college, or I should say that I started learning this lesson in college. Um, and it's been something that, that over the course of my 20s, as I've gone back and I've, I've reconsidered this idea and I've looked at it and I've taught it to other people and I've studied um, I realize again and again and again and again how true it really is, and I can see the ways that this has played itself out in my life. And we're going to look at this principle from Scripture um, that has really radically changed the way that I think about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And I want to start with this baseline idea. And the baseline idea is that God's intention for us as people is that we would become the kind of persons that he can empower to do what we want. God's intention for us is that we would become the kind of persons that he can empower to do what we want. In other words, that we would develop the kind of character that would make us trustworthy when it comes to spiritual empowerment so that the things that we want because we put on the character of Christ are actually the things that Christ would want. And that then we would be people who God would empower spiritually. Like a parent handing the 16-year-old the keys to the car. And personal character is linked to spiritual empowerment in the scriptures. If you look at Psalm 78, for example, in verse 70 and following, uh, the writer of the psalm describes uh, how God chose David. And he says, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands he led them. So David was not a perfect person, but he was chosen by God on the basis of character and empowered by God, brought all the way from being a shepherd and being in the sheep pens all the way up to shepherding the nation of Israel. God is looking to empower his people spiritually. And we, we should be the people with the character who God can trust with that kind of spiritual empowerment. So 
if the point is that the more we have the character of Christ, the safer it is for us to receive God's power, then how do we go about putting on the character of Christ? What does the process of spiritual growth actually look like in our day-to-day lives? I want to acknowledge something about the way that Christians oftentimes speak of spiritual growth. At least this is mostly what I experienced growing up, talking about spiritual growth. And that is that we have this tendency to talk about spiritual growth uh, in a moralistic paradigm. In a moralistic paradigm. So when we talk about spiritual growth, we talk about behavior and making choices. We orient the conversation around behavior and we ask and we answer questions like these. Is this behavior good or bad? Is this behavior appropriate or inappropriate? Is this behavior acceptable or unacceptable? We ask questions like, where's the line? And we ask questions like, how far is too far? And what are we really asking when we ask these kinds of questions, like where's the line and how far is too far and is it acceptable or unacceptable? What we're really asking is how much can I get away with? Which is really not spiritual maturity, is it? Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is pretty clear that like inwardly saying yes to temptation, even if we're outwardly saying no to it, is still sin, right? You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What does Jesus say? If you would do the deed, if the circumstances were different, then it's not spiritual maturity. Inward sin is still sin. And so generally, we're not even asking the right questions when it comes to spiritual growth and spiritual maturity because everything is oriented around behavior and we're thinking in a moralistic paradigm. The questions that we need to be asking are questions that recognize that we are inward beings, not just outward beings. We're inward beings. And that our outward self flows from our inward self and that there's actually a relationship between the two because our behavior has the profound ability and the profound power to turn around and then shape us inwardly. So when we think about spiritual maturity, we have to move from thinking about it in a moralistic paradigm to thinking about it in what I want to call a formational paradigm. We need to think formationally. Spiritual growth and spiritual maturity are not so much about knowing and doing things. They're not just about knowing and doing things. It's more about who we are becoming as a result of the things that we know and do. So we should be asking questions like this. Who am I becoming as a result of this behavior? Who am I becoming as a result of this choice? Who am I becoming as a result of this habit or this relationship? Everything in my life, all my thoughts, choices, actions, behaviors, relationships, and habits are shaping me. They are forming me into somebody. So the question we have to ask is, who am I becoming? I want you to see the scriptural basis for thinking about spiritual growth formationally. Uh, In our passage this morning in Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul is explaining this spiritual law. And I'll call it the law of the harvest. Some people have called it the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, I'll, I'll call it the law of the harvest. And it's just that. It's a law. It's a natural law. It's like the law of gravity or the law of supply and demand. It's just an observation about the way life works and the way the universe works and the way human behavior works. And it's neither good or bad. It's neutral. It's just a law. And whether it benefits you or harms you depends entirely upon whether you decide to leverage it to your advantage or to ignore it to your detriment. So let's look back at the passage in Galatians 6, starting in verse 7. Paul says, Do not be deceived. Now, whenever you're reading your Bible, 
and you see the author of Scripture say those words, do not be deceived, that's a hint to you that they're about to talk uh, about an area of life where we have a tendency to think we're right when we're wrong. And nothing really could be more dangerous than to have the wrong perspective and to think we're right than we're wrong or to be unaware. And so Paul says, do not be deceived. And then he says, God cannot be mocked. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a minute. But for now, just know, um, I think we can all agree that none of us know better than God, okay? Are we all on the same page there? None of us are smarter than God. God created the world. He created us. He knows the way things work better than we understand it. So God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And what Paul wants us to understand when he says this, a man reaps what he sows, he wants us to understand that all of life is connected. All of life is connected. Your past is connected to your present and your future. And you are largely uh, the person you are today because of decisions that you've made up to this point. And you will be become the person who you eventually become as a result of decisions that you're making even now. So teasing out the agricultural metaphor here, what this means is that each of us is a farmer. Each of us is a farmer. And all of us have dirt under our fingernails this morning because we are always sowing seeds of something in our lives. We're always sowing seeds of something. Every choice, every thought, every action, every habit, every relationship is like a seed that we're planting in the ground of our life, and eventually those seeds are gonna bring forth some kind of harvest, either for good or for bad. So the decisions that we're making now are forming our character and they're shaping who we'll become. And Paul says about these seeds and about this process of sowing and reaping, verse eight, whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh reap destruction, but whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And when he says eternal life here, he's not just referring to life in heaven with God forever after we die. He's talking about an eternal kind of life that can start right now. Because God is not primarily interested with how to get people into heaven. He's primarily interested with how to get heaven into people and how to get heaven onto earth through the people who have put on the character of Christ. That's why he wants to empower us spiritually. So this eternal kind of life begins right now. There's three dimensions of the law of the harvest that we can understand just by teasing out the agricultural metaphor that Paul is, uh, is using here. So we reap what we sow. There's three dimensions of this. The first one is that we reap the same thing that we sow. We reap the same thing that we sow. My grandfather was a farmer, and so a lot of our family vacations growing up were to go up to Iowa and to see the farm. And I wanted to tell you a story that he never told me. I never heard this story growing up. And it's the story about how he went out during sowing season and he put corn in the ground. And he got up on the tractor and he sowed the corn and he put it in rows and then for months and months and months he watered it. And for months and months he cultivated it and he worked the ground and he came back months later to harvest the corn and much to his surprise he found carrots there instead. I never heard that story because that's never ever happened. <laughs> and what's true, what's true in the physical world is also true in the spiritual world. Just like you don't sow corn and reap carrots later, 
We don't sow destructive things and reap a benefit from those things later. We reap the same thing that we sow. What we put in the ground in our life is what's going to come out of the ground. So if we sow seeds of character, we'll reap the benefit. It looks like this. If you sow seeds of honesty into your life, if you sow seeds of transparency, or if you sow seeds of vulnerability, what are you going to reap from that as a result? You're going to reap trust in relationships. You'll reap loyalty. You'll reap the benefit of other people being willing to be vulnerable with you and share their pain with you. If you sow seeds of sacrificial servanthood into your life, then you'll reap the harvest of humility, and you'll reap the harvest of loyalty and relationships. But it works the other way, too. If you sow seeds of dishonesty into your life, what kind of harvest will that bring forth in relationships? It'll bring forth distrust. It'll bring forth paranoia, the fear of always being found out for who you really are behind the mask. If you sow self-centeredness into your life, you'll reap loneliness as people withdraw from you in relationships. Once you begin to think about it on that level, the things that we sow into our life are always bringing forth some kind of harvest. You see it everywhere. Uh, I have friends who've sown the seeds of, uh, of substance abuse into their life, and they've reaped the harvest of addiction and all of the pain that comes along with that. I have friends who've sown the seeds of irresponsible sexual behavior into their life, and they've reaped all kinds of consequences, all kinds of heartbreak, pain, even lifelong diseases in some cases, problems with intimacy. And I'm not here this morning to give you a morality lesson because we're, we're trying to get out of the moralistic paradigm and you don't need me to teach you morality because we all know the difference between right and wrong. But here's what I know about each of us as people because I know it about myself, is that very oftentimes we know what the right thing to do is and we know what the wrong thing to do is and we know we ought to do the right thing and we choose the wrong thing anyway, right? Or we know what the wise thing to do is and we do the unwise thing anyway. And we deliberately sow these destructive seeds into our lives. And then we show up on Sunday mornings and we pray for a crop failure. And we cross our fingers. And even though we put the things in the ground on purpose, we pray, God, if you would spare me from this consequence, if you would deliver me from this, if you would protect me from that, the thing that I just deliberately did, and sometimes he might, but not necessarily, because that's what it means to mock God, is this assumption that my actions don't have natural consequences, or that the destructive choices I make don't affect other people in my life. And God won't be mocked. He won't necessarily spare us from the natural consequences of sowing these destructive seeds in our lives. And sometimes when we sow these destructive seeds into our lives, uh, it can feel like we're getting away with something. Because the second dimension of this is that we reap later than we sow. We reap the same thing that we sow, and we reap later than we sow. So when farmers sow their seeds, they don't come back the next day to harvest them, right? It takes time. It takes intentionality. They water and they cultivate day after day and month after month. And then later, much later, they come back to harvest what's grown. And so developing character and spiritual growth and becoming the person who God created you to be and who I think deep down you truly long to be takes time. It takes intentionality. Um, it's like trying to get in shape, 
right? So like, okay, if I'm trying to get in shape and I go to the gym one time, I'm not going to wake up the next morning looking like Ryan Gosling, <laughs> right? That's not going to happen. It takes time. It takes intentionality. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. And here's the deal. We don't only reap the harvest of the seeds that we meant to plant. We also reap the harvest of the seeds that wound up in the ground by our own carelessness. Um, I went to Concordia for college, and there's a, a thing that happens at Concordia. And I was like a non-Lutheran student walking into Concordia, so I had no idea what to expect. Um, so I walked in there, and, and I, I found out there's a, there's a phenomenon that happens at Concordia that at least happened among my group of friends that I've come to call the 2125. And the 2125 happens when uh, you and all your friends turn 21 years old, and you're at a Lutheran university. Um, and I had no idea how, how big of a part of Lutheran culture beer was. Uh, and so then what happens when you all turn 21, every social gathering just starts to involve beer. Uh, and so every like study group and every movie night and every birthday party uh, would involve like a couple beers and like probably eating like pizza or Whataburger or something. And most of the people in my friend group gained something close to the 21, 25. <laughs> and, and it didn't happen overnight, right? It happened over time. And I didn't mean to gain all that weight in college. Uh, but it happened because it was the cumulative result of countless tiny choices. And present choices, present actions can have profound future effects. And so we reap later than we sow, and the consequences of our actions may not always be immediately apparent to us. But eventually seeds grow. And this is why some of us this morning feel like we're getting away with something because it doesn't happen overnight. The growth doesn't happen overnight, it happens over time. And so it looks like this. We sow destructive seeds into our life and then the consequences aren't necessarily immediate. But we have these seeds in the ground in our lives and no one knows about them but us. And they're there. And because they haven't started to grow yet, we're thinking, well, no big deal. I've got it under control. It's still small, it's just in the ground and no one knows about it but me, but seeds always grow. And when they do, it won't just affect our life, it'll affect the lives of everybody around us. So every one of us here this morning, in a sense, is a smuggler. We're smugglers. We smuggle forests worth of seeds into every relationship in our lives. And the seeds that are in the ground of our lives, either healthy or unhealthy, will produce a harvest that won't just be reaped by us, it will be reaped by everyone else. So your friends will reap the harvest of the seeds you plant in your life. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, your kids. Your parents will reap the, the harvest of the seeds you plant in your life. Your boss, your coworkers, your employees, uh, the people you lead, people you haven't even met yet at this point will reap the harvest of the seeds that are in the ground of your life right now. So one of the questions we have to ask this morning is what kind of seeds are we smuggling into our relationships? What are the destructive things in your life that no one knows about but you? And what will happen when those seeds begin to grow? And when the harvest of those seeds begins to make itself apparent? Because they always grow. And that brings us to the third dimension. The first is that we reap the same thing that we sow. The second is that we reap much later than we sow. And the third dimension is that we reap much more than we sow. Much more than we sow. 
So this is the trick about the law of the harvest is that it doesn't break even. It isn't fair. It's exponential. And God designed the world to work this way so that we would leverage the law of the harvest to our advantage. This is supposed to be something helpful for us, not something that's only scary and a warning. It should be an encouragement and an opportunity that our present actions can have profound future effects. So I always say it this way, tiny seeds always become giant trees. Tiny seeds always become giant trees. The seemingly insignificant things that we do now show up in big, big ways in our future. Hosea 8, 7 says this, they sow the wind, but they reap the whirlwind. So we don't have the luxury of being casual about our character or being nonchalant when it comes to guarding our character because we're always sowing these seeds. And if we aren't willing to take uh, character seriously and to guard it and cultivate healthy seeds and cultivate godly seeds diligently, then what happens is that someday we will wake up and we'll be surrounded by a forest of trees that we never meant to plant and that we never dreamed would ever grow that big. And this is why I always cringe a little bit when I hear people say things like, well, life is short. Like, life is, life is too short not to have a little fun. Life is too short to be so serious all the time. But life is not that short. It's not that short. And when we're living in, like, the forest of regret, and we're surrounded by all of these, these trees that grew up from very small seeds that we never thought could ever grow that big. And when the law of the harvest is working against us and we're dealing with the consequences of all of the destructive choices in our life, and when we're saying, if I could only go back, if I could only do it differently, I would have never done that, I would have never said that, I would have never gone there. In that moment, life feels very, very, very long. So the truth is that life is well and long enough for us to come to, regret giving, to come to regret giving up what we want most for what we want in the moment. And life is well and long enough for us to come to regret being careless about our character. But I don't want to only think about the law of the harvest in the negative sense. Because like I said, this is something that God designed for us to leverage to our advantage. It's not meant to be bad news. There is a warning inherent in it. But it's meant to be an encouragement to us, which is why in verse 9, Paul says this, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So the law of the harvest is a warning, but it's also this incredible opportunity. And what it means is that we don't have to plant full-grown trees in the ground. So here's what this looks like. This is, this is what this looked like in my life growing up, because uh, I was like a total youth group kid at a big church. And so we would go to the camps, and we would get to like Saturday night of camp, the last night of camp, the like emotional night, where we're all malnourished and like haven't slept and emotionally volatile. And like the speaker would bring like the heaviest talk and the band would play the most emotional songs, and by the end of the night, all of the kids are like in tears and hugging each other. Um, and then we would break up into small groups, and we'd go sit in our cabins, and like every kid, we'd go around in a circle, and we would make these grand promises to God and to each other. And we'd be like, starting tomorrow, I'm gonna tell all my friends about Christ, and I'm gonna read my Bible for two hours every day, and I'm gonna start giving 12% of all my money, 
And we would make these big promises that I think very few of us ever really followed through on. Because what is that? If I don't have like a daily habit of reading the Bible, and then I try and go implement a daily habit of reading the Bible like two hours every day, it's like trying to go pick up a full-grown tree and plant it in the ground. That's not the way God designed it to work. The way God designed it is all you have to do is take like a tiny seed and start small in whatever area of life it is and put it in the ground and just be faithful to cultivate it. Because God isn't honored by token vows and big words. God is honored by faithfulness, even in the smallest, tiniest, seemingly insignificant things of life. And he delights in every step forward that we take, even if it's a stumbling step forward, even if it's a small step forward, even if it's like crawling on my stomach forward. God loves it when we make progress in our character. He delights in every single investment we make into our character, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem to us in the moment. And that's his heart for us this morning. His desire is that we would be aware of the law of the harvest so that we can leverage it to our advantage and be intentional about our own spiritual growth and about our character. Because if we ignore it, then it comes back to bite us in these huge, huge ways. So I want to just finish with this. And it's that God's love for you does not change based on your behavior or your spiritual maturity. It doesn't. But your experience of God's love is diminished when the harvest of destructive seeds in your life begins to grow. And he doesn't want that for us this morning. And so as we approach the table together, uh, I want us to just consider these questions. The first one is this, what destructive seeds have I sown in my life that need to be uprooted? What's in the ground that I know shouldn't be there, that no one knows about it but me? And how can I pull those out? And then the second question is just, what's one seed, even a tiny seed, what's one seed of character that I can sow into my life this week and begin to cultivate? It's really easy application. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come before you now, I thank you, Jesus, that we have the incredible opportunity to reap what you have sown. And that because of your sacrifice and because of your mercy and because of your great love for us, we have the opportunity to enter into relationship with you and to receive God's blessings at your expense to receive forgiveness, to receive mercy, to receive grace. So Jesus, we thank you for that this morning. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work in us as we work to cultivate just tiny seeds of character, and as we work to cultivate faithfulness in our lives, I pray that you would empower us until our desires come into line uh, with the fathers. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.